So I'm going to take I'm going to take actually a few extra minutes tonight. I want to talk to you about Israel and what's going on in Israel because I see a lot of confusion in the world and I see confusion with people in the church. So I think I'm going to clarify some real uh, things with you, you know, tonight. So you just stay, you know, stay in your seat. Uh, what, you know, what obviously, you know, you know what's been happening unless you have your head in the sand. So Hamas, essentially, um, the Palestinians, okay, Hamas is the uh, leading political group in, um, in what is called today uh, Palestine, the West, you know, the West Bank. Uh, essentially, they came into uh, Israel uh, on October 7th, and they murdered 1,400 people. Uh, they cut the heads off of babies. I didn't want to bring you pictures. They raped women, uh, daughters in front of their parents. Uh, they killed the elderly. 28% who were killed were soldiers. The rest were civilians. And it was just cold-blooded murder. Now, their belief is that Israel has stolen their land. That's the argument. That's the argument that you're hearing from the media. In 1948, when Israel became a nation, that Israel essentially stole their land, and um, Israel uh, essentially is guilty of colonization, and therefore they must be removed. So the Jewish people, essentially, the threat is they must be exterminated, driven into the Mediterranean Sea, so Hamas can get back uh, their land. So you're seeing attacks, and what's interesting is it's not just attacks against Jews living in Israel, they're being attacked, Jews are being attacked all over the world. So we're seeing it right here in our, in our country. So, you know, people will come to me, and some of the things, one woman who sent me, uh, she said, you have to read what this lawyer says, and he was proposing the 1948 argument that, you know, it's the Palestinians' land, and uh, Israel should not be there. I really don't care. I think you all know this, and I think you very much know this by now. I can't give a damn what people say. I really don't. I don't give a damn what the political pundits say on any of the stations. I don't give a damn what the politicians say. The only thing that really matters is the truth. And the truth that comes from the Word of God. That's why I've come to you. That's why I'm at it my life. If you don't agree with that, you need to go somewhere, find a political church or some false church that will, you know, give you political views. But I only really care about what the Word says about who the land belongs to. So the Bible makes it very clear who the land belongs to. And you're going to see that tonight. So first, we go back to Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. God called Abraham. You do know that Abram was a pagan. <laughs> really, he was a, an idol worshiper, a demon worshiper, if you really look at where he was and where he came from. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. A uh, key thing, um, if you look at verse 1, he's called from his father's house to a land that I will show you. 
as you progress, okay, through the generations, you see the land made very clear of which God promised to him. So just a, a few verses, we go ahead, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, a few chapters. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land, and he, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Here is God showing him the land of Israel, and uh, he says, I will give it to your descendants. So essentially, God gave it to Abraham and his descendants. Essentially, he gave it to the Jews. Why? I think it's very important. Why could God give that land to the Jewish people? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, because it's his. <laughs> Because he owns it. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell in it. God owns it, and he can give it to whoever who he wishes or, or pleases to give it to. In Deuteronomy 10, 14, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to you, uh, to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. It's his. And he could give you know, to whom he wishes to give it to. So now, you, you go to Genesis chapter 15, 18 through 21, there's a, a clear geographical description of the land that is being given to Abraham. It says, on this day, on the day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt uh, to the river, uh, to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Let me just show you what this land that was given looked like. So here is Israel today. That is that little strip of land there. It's about as the size of New Jersey. But notice, this is the geographical um, dimensions of the land that was given uh, to Abraham. The closest they got to that was you know, under the reign of David and Solomon. I believe ultimately, the millennial kingdom, this will be the land of Israel, of where the nations will come to worship the king. So, to understand, God gave the land to Israel. Israel is the indigenous people of the land. Not what are called the Palestinians. It is, it is the Jews, it is the Israelites. It was, it was given 2,100 years before anyone was called a Palestinian. 2,100 years before anyone was called a Palestinian. 2,600 years before Islam was started. Let me just say this. When you see these protesters on the college campuses and these fools tearing down the pictures of the 200 or so hostages. Let me just tell you, these are extremely, these are extremely ignorant people. I believe truly under the influence of the devil, if not purely demonized, anti-Semitic, really, Nazis. And what I'm seeing today in America reminds me, and some of you, again, most of you were not taught this in high school, you were young. Most of you were not taught this when you went to university. You know, I, I've studied World War II, and I've studied the period leading up to World War II, 
And right now what's happening in the United States and the world is looking like what was happening in Nazi Germany in the 1930s leading up to 1938. When Jews were just being grabbed and beaten by groups and mobs of people, and then soon uh, came the brown shirts, that little army of Hitler that began to beat and kill and persecute Jews. So um, again, key thing here, the argument that Israel are the occupiers, it is the Palestinians who are the occupiers, who I believe Israel has been extremely gracious to, giving them electricity, giving them uh, heating oil, right, and giving them money, money. They, they give them money, millions and millions of dollars, but they're hell-bent on destroying Israel. So again, this is what God gave to the Jews. This is what they inhabit today, okay, in the Promised Land. Again, you move through uh, the, uh, the Torah, Genesis 17.8, also I give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. Notice it is an everlasting possession. Keep that in mind. Then you go to Genesis chapter 26. God renews the covenant with Isaac. So here, again, the Lord is speaking to Isaac. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform an oath which I swore to Abram, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to you, your descendants, all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. It is again renewed, okay, with Jacob. So you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 13 through 15. God is trying to make a point here. Do you understand? When he, when he says it once and he says it twice and he says it three times, let me tell you something. When the Lord is speaking to you like that, pay attention. So in Genesis 28, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What are they talking about? You know, God is talking about, there. he's talking about Messiah. Behold, I am with you and I will um, keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God renews the covenant again to Moses. Exodus chapter 6, 7 and 8. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out of, uh, under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. To Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, okay, to Moses. Now, Moses goes home to be with the Lord, Joshua leads Israel into the promised land. They subdue their enemies, they defeat their enemies. They are in the promised land. Period. History goes on, Israel turns away from God. They turn to idols, they sacrifice their children, they get involved in the occult, 
I mean, they're sacrificing their sons and daughters to Molech, to Chemosh. God brings judgment upon Israel. And you have first a separation between the 12 tribes. So you have the tribe of Judah essentially separated. It's actually Judah and Benjamin separated from the other 10. And God brings judgment upon the northern kingdom first. They were actually seem to be far worse if you go through the books of King, the book of Kings. But he brings judgment upon them, and Israel's judged by the Assyrians. In 721 BC, the Assyrians come, and you have a essentially a captivity where they take most of the Jews and they bring them and they disperse them throughout Assyria. And then they bring people from the Assyrian kingdoms and they bring them down okay, into the northern kingdom, and you have what is called Samaria, and it's a mishmash of Judaism and paganism. And that's why the Jews hated the Samaritans in the time of Jesus. About 150 years later, the southern kingdom is in rebellion, so God brings the Babylonians in 586 B.C., uh, and the temple is destroyed, and the Jewish people are carried off, and this is, uh, again, another diaspora, dispersion, and they are carried off to Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah prophesies that it will be exactly 70 years before they return. Ezra, Nehemiah, you see the return of the Jews. Okay, and they return to Israel. Messiah comes. Okay, Messiah comes, Jesus, 32 AD. He dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He predicts, right, Israel, for the most part, they have rejected Messiah. Not completely. All the apostles were Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Right? Mark was Jewish. The writers of the New Testament were, were all Jewish. Okay? Uh, Luke, believed to be a, a, a Gentile or Gentile convert to Judaism. But essentially, what happens here, Jesus predicted, that because you would not allow me to gather you to myself, judgment will come upon you, and not one stone on the temple will be left, and you're going to be dispersed throughout the world. 70 AD, Titus and the Roman legions come. And what you have is the destruction of the temple, just as Jesus said. Not one stone is left upon another. I show you the pictures when we go to Israel. You can see the stones laying there. The temple is totally destroyed. A million Jews are slaughtered. 90,000 are taken into slavery into Rome. And then the rest are dispersed. With the exception of a remnant that still stays in Israel of Jewish people. Important date, 135, 132, 135, the, Jew, the Jewish remnant revolts against Rome. The revolt is quickly, you know, put down by the Roman, you know, legions. The Roman emperor, Hadrian, he essentially, he changes the provincial administrative name of Judea to Palestinia. Do you know what he names it after to infuriate the Jews? The Philistines. Philistia. It's inter what's, what's interesting about this is if you look at Gaza, this is, a, this is Gaza in Israel. This is where all the, the battle is going on. For This is where Hamas is hiding in their tunnels like rats. And uh, if you look at, um, at the territory of the Philistines, 
It's just a little bit bigger uh, in geography to what you have in Gaza. Let me just tell you, you know, I've talked to you about spirits, their demons, principalities, powers. The Philistines were Israel's archenemy. Hamas right now is Israel's archenemy. And we'll talk about Iran, we'll talk about, you know, Hezbollah, we can talk about them in a few minutes. But I believe that there are demonic spirits. This is a, this is a spiritual war. Because when you listen to the pundits, you listen to the generals, you listen to the politicians, you know, even the, even the leaders in Israel, they basically look at things from, you know, just an earthly perspective. They, they don't look at the actual spiritual realm that's around all of this. But there is a, there is a major spiritual battle that's going, I can guarantee in the midst of this battle, there, there is angelic warfare that is going in the, on in the heavenly places in this, you know, in this area. So, um, again, I found that, I, by the way, I just, I learned... I love studying. I just learned this and started to realize. I just started superimposing again the Gaza Strip onto the Philistine territory, and um, it just kind of was a was amazing. All right. So Hadrian he puts down the revolt, and then you have really the fulfillment of uh, the completion of the great diaspora, the dispersion, and the Jewish people are basically then exiled, for the most part, all over Europe eventually all over the world. They are exiled from city to city. They are persecuted continuously, especially in places like France, in Spain. You have uh, the Inquisition, and estimates of how many Jews were murdered during the Inquisition is anywhere from 300,000 to 3 million. Again, nobody kept count. And um, by the way, the Inquisition killed 32,000 Bible-believing Christians too. I don't know if you, you, you know that. They murdered Christians. The Roman Catholic Church murdered Bible-believing. The people like us would have been murdered, okay, by the popes and their, their henchmen for believing the Bible and not, you know, kowtowing and, you know, bowing our, ourselves to the pope. Ultimately, you come to the Holocaust, okay, I think... Many Jewish people were wondering, did God forget his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Moses, and the Jewish people? Over six million Jews are slaughtered in the Holocaust. You see these people protesting? They never learned about this. There are even those who deny it. The Muslims deny it. Hamas denies it. So God, God made a, a promise, and you see this promise reiterated throughout Scripture, that the Jewish people, though they would be dispersed throughout the world, they would be brought back. So Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back Judah from captivity, my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 5 and 6, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from, and this is important, an important verse, they were essentially, essentially exiled. The Assyrian exile and the Babylonian ex exile were to the north. They, they weren't exiled in, you know, in those you know, exiles to the east and to the west and to the south. But notice what Isaiah says here. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And I'll tell you, that prophecy, we... It is fulfilled. 
and there are still Jews returning. But they've come from every, you know, it's interesting, you go to Israel, you meet a Jew from everywhere. <laughs> you meet Jews from China, from Australia, from South America, and you pick up on the accents, there's German Jews, there's Austrian Jews, there's Italian Jews, American Jews. And they have come back, 1948, May 14th, Israel becomes a nation. The Bible predicted it would become a nation in one day. In Ezekiel chapter 37, 21 through 22, then say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the people from Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all. By the way, this has not been fulfilled, the second part of verse 22. And one king shall be king over them all, and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. When Messiah comes, they, Jesus will be their king. So here, here is Israel regathered. And I'll tell you, for, uh, since 1948, it has been continuous warfare. I've been there for two of them. But it's been continuous warfare. I'll show you Zechariah in 12 verses 1 through 3. The burden of the Lord, uh, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel, thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man. Within him, behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. And when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and essentially, let me tell you, they've been under siege since 1948. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. I just want to show you here. You have, these, these are some of the major, I mean, again, continuous war. But you, you have the Arab-Israeli uh, war. You had the Sinai war, the Six-Day war, the war of attrition, Yom Kippur war. The war uh, over Lebanon, and then you had the, the first intifada. I, we, we were there on a trip. That was my first Israel trip. Uh, I went with a group of other pastors. That was, uh, I, I was there during the first intifada. The Al-Aqsa uh, intifada uh, was there for that. The second Lebanon war, and then the Gaza war. So now what we have on October 7th, you have the Hamas war. This is a new war. Let me, let me just read to you. I want to read to you the charter. Just a couple of points of the charter of Hamas. In the uh, preamble, the introduction, on the destruction of Israel, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it obliterated others before it. That's their goal, the obliteration of Israel. Article 7, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees, and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. Genocide. Uh, Article 11 and Article 13, the land of Palestine is an Islamic waqf, holy possession, consecrated for future Muslim generations until Judgment Day. No one can renounce it or any part of it or abandon it or any part of it. And Article 13, Palestine is uh, an Islamic land since this is the case. The liberation of Palestine is an individual duty of every Muslim wherever he may be. 
And then in Article 13, peace initiatives and so-called peace solutions in international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of uh, the Islamic resistance movement. Those conferences are no more than the means to appoint the infidels as arbitrators in the lands of Islam. There is no solution for the Palestinian problem except by jihad, holy war. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are but a waste of time and exercise of futility. So when the UN is trying to say, let's have a ceasefire and come to peace, there is no peace. There is no peace. When Biden talks about a two-state solution, there, there is no two-state solution. The Hamas is hell-bent on destroying the Jewish people and totally wiping out Israel. I mean, do you, do you, do you understand that? And that's their charter. I wish, I wish these words would be read on ABC, NBC, and CBS, and MSLSD, and, uh, the, uh, and CNN. I wish that they would read it on there instead of their propaganda and their lies. So here is Israel surrounded by 22 Islamic nations, 640 times in size and 60 times in population. Again, there is little tiny Israel. You got 200 militant Muslims who would like to wipe out Israel and drive them into the Mediterranean Sea. Now, you know what, who's along with them? Again, you, obviously, you know, Iran and Turkey now has joined it. Russia and China. China just signed a, a, a treaty with Iran to, I don't know, what, $400 billion over the course of the next six years that they'll be uh, giving them. Yesterday, I found this very interesting. Baidu, it's the uh, Chinese Google that they changed all their maps yesterday. And if you'll notice here, Israel disappears from the online maps run by the Chinese tech giants. There's no Israel. Isn't that interesting? So, Israel surrounded by their enemies, who again, they, they've been shooting rockets I mean, they've been shooting rockets into Israel for years. And when Israel retaliates, they call up Hamas leadership and say, we're going to target this building, so get all your people out, right? Get the Palestinian people out, the civilians. Who does that in warfare? We didn't. When we dropped the, the bombs on, um, on Japan, we didn't call them up and say, hey, listen, we're coming and when it dropped two nuclear bombs on you know, when we when we bombed right Germany, we didn't call them up and tell them, right? We bombed Dresden. We bombed Dresden to hell. Dresden was this beautiful German city. We didn't call them up and say, listen, our B-52s are gonna be flying over you and they're gonna be bombing the hell out of you. So, you know, you know, get get your people out. Who does Israel does that? And they've done it for years. They have a right to defend themselves, as we all have a right to defend ourselves. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1, you want to really read about you know, self-defense. Deuteronomy 20 is a great chapter on self-defense. But it says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. That, that entire chapter is about 
self-defense, that you have a right to defend yourself. Every nation has a right to protect themselves. We have a right to protect ourselves individually, our families, our communities, and our nation. The Bible gives us that right. So there is such a thing as a just war. Somebody said to me, well, Jesus, would Jesus want a war? Is Jesus the God of the Old Testament? Is Jesus the God of the Old Testament? One time I'm talking to this knucklehead and he said to me, well, God learned his lesson in the New Testament from what he did in the Old Testament. Is God the God of the New Testament and Old Testament? Is Jesus the God of the Old Testament? And it says God is a warrior. God is a warrior. Let me just give you, I want to give you five, I just want to give you five simple principles here that I believe I've gathered from the scriptures. And again, I, this, this, is a, this is two sermons in itself. I just want to run through the points. A just war is declared by a legitimate government. Is Israel a legitimate government? A just war is an act of last resort. Was this a last resort? I mean, they're bombing, they're shooting missiles at them over and over again, and they're not retaliating until they went in and killed 1,400 people. A just war is for it for a just cause. Is this a just cause? I believe it is. A just war seeks victory. Should they seek victory? Absolutely. I believe they need to wipe out Hamas, or Hamas is going to wipe them out. And a just war uses moral means. And I'll tell you something. I just looked at, at Israel telling, telling the Palestinians, move right to the, um, you know, to the south, so that we can get Hamas. So now, why the hatred towards Israel? Really, what? Just by Hamas, by Hezbollah, by Iran, by the Nazis, by the Inquisition, by some of the Crusaders? Centuries. The Pharaohs, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Greece. Tychus, Epiphany. Why the hatred towards Israel and the Jews? I want to give you a couple key points. One, the sons of Abraham. Abraham had two sons. What were their names? Isaac and Ishmael. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that is Ishmael, whom she had born to Abraham. Scoffing. Right? He's mocking. He's jealous and envious of Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise. Ishmael is the son of the flesh. Right? Ishmael came through Abraham having sexual relations with his mother, Hagar. Wasn't in God's plan. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. Abraham still loved Ishmael. By the way, God promised blessing on Ishmael. But he's not the son of the promise. He's the son of the flesh. You can, by the way, you go to Galatians and you see that spoken about spiritually. So there, there is this, this envy and this jealousy that the Arabs, okay, later on becoming the Muslims, have against Israel. Second, if you go to Revelation chapter 12, there is um, a vision that John sees of a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and uh, her head a garland of 12 stars, 
and a seven-headed dragon. Who's the woman? Who's the woman? Yeah, the woman is, is Israel. Let me, just, let me just have you look at this with me here. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Who's the child? Yeah, some people say it's Mary. Well, Mary is a part of Israel, but it's Israel. But what is the best interpreter of Scripture? Because through the ages, the Roman Catholic Church said it was them. Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of, of uh, Christian Science, she said it was her. And there have probably been a whole lot of other crazies who have said it was them. How do we know this is Israel from Scripture? Where do we see 12 stars and the sun and the moon? See, the book of the Revelation is a, a book of over 300 keys. You have to know the rest of the Bible to be able to open the doors to, you know, with those keys. And if you read through the book of the Revelation, it will, it will be nonsense to you unless you understand those keys. So when you understand the rest of the Bible, suddenly the book of the Revelation comes to life for you. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, Joseph has these two dreams. In one of the dreams, he said, he says, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bound out to me. Who was the sun and moon? In the interpretation of the dream, that, that essentially was his father and his mother, Jacob. And the, um, now it says the, the 11 stars, okay, because you see 12 stars in Revelation chapter 12, because Joseph is right here, he's one of the 12. There's the interpretation. The Bible interprets the Bible. Very, you know, why, why do I teach the way I teach? Because the Bible interprets the Bible. Now, I'll just take you back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and the seven diadems on his head. Who's the dragon? It's Satan. Why does he have seven heads? What do the seven heads represent? You see the seven heads mentioned here. By the way, you go back to Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 1. You look at Daniel chapter 7 when I've taught on this. And you go to Revelation chapter 17. I believe what the seven heads that are described here of the dragon speak about the seven empires that you find biblical empires that have been in opposition to Israel. What are the seven empires that you find in the Bible that were in opposition to Israel? You have Egypt, right? Who followed Egypt? Assyria, who followed Assyria? Babylon, who followed Babylon? Persia, who followed Persia? Greece, who followed Greece? That's six. The seventh one has ten horns. It's a coming empire, what we call the revived Roman Empire, coming to a world near you real soon, in formation now. That is the seven, that, that, is, that, that is Satan's dominion, that is Satan's worldly power. So then, verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. That is the angelic rebellion. One third of the angels follow him. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. What happens? Herod, right, tries to kill, right, Jesus. He murders the babies of Bethlehem. So she bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and a child was caught up to God in his throne, the ascension. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should feed 
her their 1,260 days. I believe that is talking about the Great Tribulation. I'm not going to go there now. That takes a, that's another sermon in itself. Now, let me just show you. I want to go to Revelation chapter 12, 13 through 17. And when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Israel has continued to be persecuted for the last 2,000 years. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to a place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Again, that's speaking about, I believe, the last three and a half years of the tribulation from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that, uh, by the way, I don't believe that's literal water. I think water speaks of peoples. He will send armies after Israel during the tribulation period that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opens its mouth and swaddled up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who dat? Who's the rest of her offspring? Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ? I want you to say this to you. They're going after Israel. They're going to come after us. <laughs> we hope we're going to be raptured. But they've been killing Christians. Listen, listen. The, the whitewashing, Islam has been murderous of Christians. They were murderers of Christians since they were founded in a century. It doesn't mean every Muslim is a murderer, that every Muslim is you know, out to kill Christians. There's a whole lot of Muslims and Christians who live together in communities all around us. But... The militant Muslims, I mean, look, they, they, they blew up the World Trade Center. They blew up the Pentagon. You see what's happening here now. You see what's going on on the college campuses. They're, they're, they're militant. And they, they will come after us. You know, I, got a, I got this sign on my front lawn. And I was talking to a, to a friend. And they said to me, are you afraid? Uh, are you afraid of them? And I said, no, I think they should be afraid of me. Because I'm crazy. You can come hurt me and my family. I'm crazy. And uh, I, that's what I said to her. No, I'm not afraid. I'm not walking around waiting for, for them to come. And it's all a bunch of Jewish families around us who have these signs. They're amazed that the Goyim, the Gentiles, put the sign on their lawn. When I read about the church, how it turned its back on the Jewish people during the Holocaust, the Catholic Church looked completely the other way. The popes did not renounce Nazi Germany and Hitler. The Lutheran Church, with the exception of a handful of pastors, I will not, I will not be, let me die, let me die a martyr. Let me die a martyr's death. I will not turn away from Israel in this time or right until the end. And the cowards in the church who are doing it, I, I, you're not my brothers. You're not my brothers and sisters. I don't know what you are. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on and how the devil has deceived you. But you're not my brothers and sisters. Because I, I, I just cannot see how you could know Jesus and understand the scriptures and not take a stand right now with Israel. Okay, last, last part of the message. Israel and the church. Just a couple of, of key points of things we can be doing. First thing, on that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves... And all the nations of the earth will gather against it. By the way, you're, you're seeing this in process right now. 
The word lift is a mas, and it essentially, listen to um, a mas in the Hebrew. Who lift it will surely hurt themselves. It's a warning against standing against Israel. That, that those who try to remove Israel, they will be hurt. That's a warning. That's a warning to all. Genesis 12.3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And you, all the families of the earth, will be blessed. That is a promised blessing for people who bless Israel, who stand for Israel, who speak out. When you're talking to these ignorant people who are, you know, who are standing there and telling you, well, you know what, it's the Palestinians' land. Israel are occupiers. So speak out and tell them the story. They're blind. They're deaf. You know, what, you know what removes the blindness and the deafness is the word of truth. Speak the word to them. You know, explain this to them. Because again, they're ignorant. And they're getting brainwashed. They're getting brainwashed, especially in this country, by the left. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I've been praying this, I've been praying this prayer for 40 years. I really do believe that the blessings that have come upon this church and have come upon my, my life have come because of my support of Israel. Hey, by the way, I, I don't think Israel, everything Israel does is always right. They're, they're, they're fallen people. And, and I don't, I, they, they, they rejected Messiah for the most part. So I'm, I'm not standing there and saying no, they're always perfect. I'm just telling you, in, in light of God's plan, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for the peace of Israel. I want to show you one more, one more passage. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. So this speaks about the separation of the sheep and the goats. So this is at the end of the tribulation. I believe when he's talking about whatever you did to me, he's talking about the Jewish people. And you'll notice how it begins. Because when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. That's the, that, the Gentile nation. I'm not talking about Jews. So these are all the nations at the end of the tribulation period. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Is that Israel right now? And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer, that, uh, answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you uh, did it to one of the least of these brethren, you did it to me. And then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, 
and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. So you look at that, and I do believe that that occurs at the end of the tribulation period. And I believe it is how the nations will be judged based upon what and the way they treated the Jewish people. Now, you may be looking and saying, well, are they saved by works? No. I believe that a true believer, a true believer who is born again during the tribulation period, okay? Because I do believe the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation period. But those believers, okay, and they're not the church. They're not called the church. They are believers. They are believers of Messiah. That because of their faith in Jesus... They will love the Jews. They will feed the Jews. They will clothe the Jews. They will look after the Jews. They will visit the Jews. They will take the Jews in during this period because their faith will be demonstrated by their good works. But I think right now, and I don't believe we're, we're at this point, but I believe, I believe right now that's what we should be doing for the Jewish people and for Israel. For our Jewish neighbors, Again, God has blessed me. He's putting you in a great place, surrounded by a bunch of Jews. And boy, a door has opened to the people that we work with who are Jewish and to Israel. And you've got an opportunity. right? I've been, I've been saying International Fellowship of Christian and Jews. Look, I don't have anything to do with this organization. I just think it's a good organization. You can donate $10. $15, $20, and, and, and make it a habit and give to them. Now, just in, in one final thought, the Ezekiel 38-39, this has been brought up, and people have been asking me about this. Are we right now headed towards the Magog invasion? I'll talk to you about it next week. We could very well, let me tell you something, this is heavy-duty stuff. You know, I've taught on it many times before, but we could be right at the doorstep. Could be. It's not, it's not it yet. We'll talk about all the nations. But it's really interesting what's happening right now. And um, I just think, folks, get your life right with God right now. You see, see the commercial? Where, I forget the preacher. He has the rapture commercial. What's his name? It's such a great commercial. Like you look at the stuff, and then you got the guy who was in the Jesus movie, and he's praying. Sue and I, I, I was praying there tonight when he said the prayer. And then um, Ramsey Youssef gets up there, and he's just like, the Holy Spirit is just saying right now, right on, on, on the major media, you better get right with God. Because he's coming. You don't want to be left behind. Time is short. Really short. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray, Lord God, that we would all just receive this truth, that this truth, Lord God, would just, Lord God, be taken down and we would digest it, we would assimilate it, and, Lord God, it would flow out. It would flow out into every cell of our being. It would flow out from our mouth. That we would have the boldness to speak the truth, Lord God. And Father God, I pray, Lord, for Israel. I pray, Lord God, for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. I pray for their victory. And I do pray, Lord God, for the people in, in, Lord God, the West Bank. And I pray for the people in Gaza. I pray, Lord God, for their salvation. And Lord, it grieves me when I see people digging out dead bodies. 
I know, Lord God, this is the hardships of war. But I do pray, Lord God, for those people as well. I pray for Israeli, uh, Israel and Jewish people throughout the world. Protect them, Lord God, from the hatred that is rising. And Lord God, may people truly come to understand the truth. And all these things, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.